0: Good afternoon and thank you for joining us for today's Market Update, brought to you by Cargill Elevate. My name is Lauren Barker and I'm joined today by a guest, Jason Meyer. Jason is our River Gulf commercial leader here within Cargill and we're happy to have him on today. Thank you, Jason. Let's kick it off by having you tell the listeners a little bit about your history with Cargill. Yeah, thank you, Lauren. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to everybody. So, I'm one of those longtime Cargill people. I celebrated my 30 year anniversary with Cargill last July. I was born in the Minneapolis area, raised in a city called Mankato, Minnesota. There's two big soybean processors in town there ADM and CHS. There's also a Cargill flour mill. So, I was around agriculture, but My dad was a lawyer and my mom worked in women's clothing stores and so was not around it a ton. But my mom did work with the wife of the plant manager of the Cargill flour mill. And so over time, when I was in college, I got to meet him and was introduced to Cargill and went through interviews and and started in the summer of 93, the year of the great flood. So there was not a lot of grain to handle. I started as a uh, as a grain buyer origination merchant in Council Bluffs, Iowa. I then moved to Toledo, Ohio, and then Cargill kind of consolidated offices at the time and put everybody in Minneapolis. And I moved back here in uh, late 1994, and I've been here ever since. So I'm I'm not someone who in Cargill has the seven, eight moves. I've only had three, but I've been in Minneapolis doing a variety of roles, Uh, spent the first 13, 14 years of my career, i merchandising with, uh, I was in hard wheat, that was in oats and barley. I did some soybeans down to Mexico in the, the Pacific Northwest, then spent a lot of years on the river. I, I traded or export beans out of the Gulf for a couple of years, then did export corn for about six years, and then kind of hit a spot in my career where I needed to decide, did I really wanna stay in the trading route or do something different? And And my heart pulled me towards more commercial roles more being with people, assets and those type of things. So I I oversaw our specialty program for a year. I then spent about three and a half years in a corporate function. So it's called the risk management group. And essentially what I did and what my team did is we assessed our trading risk all across Cargill. So we use all sorts of different metrics because nobody has a crystal ball, despite the fact a lot of people think Cargill does. We don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, we, we do use different ways to try to assess our trading risks as we go forward, knowing that the risk is always there, that we lose money. And so I did that for about three and a half years. Super interesting, but then really wanted to get back into the business. And I came in as general manager for our uh, river-based businesses in, in Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. And then we're no different than anybody else. It seems like we, we've consolidated multiple times, slowly added more and more river facilities, and then finally the Gulf. So our footprint today, we have 27 elevators along the river system and in the Gulf. So 25 along the river and then uh, two in Louisiana. So we've got, we load barges in, in 10 different states. So one of the fun things about the river is, you know, the geographic reach that we really have and when we have good export demand it's a fun place to be because you're pulling from all these different areas and and sending it down south out of all of our facilities the or out, out of all the states illinois is where we have the majority of our facilities with 12 and so that tends to be the state where we operate in on the biggest scale over the years we've made a lot of changes to our footprint so uh as cargill our our grain elevator base is uh is not stable we've changed elevators we've you know we've had some that we've had to close or shut down or demolish we've acquired facilities we've divested of facilities but our, our footprint has been ever evolving and a lot of it is really no different than you know what you see on the farm where people are taking on you know trying to do more with less and and that's basically what we're doing the same thing only on the grain elevator side is how do we try to put more grain through fewer facilities and, and lower our cost? You know, the, the river business is not a business that drives a, a whole lot of margins. So it's a business that's really important to be great at logistics. It's important to do a really good job of making sure we've procured barge freight, that we're able to stay, keep our doors open the best we can. You know, for everybody who's delivering in, you know, we position when we buy, when we sell, how we carry grain and really just try to run that business on the export end. We work with our offices all over the world. We have a we have a team in Geneva, Switzerland, that for the most part kind of consolidates all that activity, and we really work through them. So we'll you know the business is really simple. We load barges and and we send them down the river, and we unload them in reserve and at West wego and and we load ships, and and away they go. You know the last few years have been really tough in our business. Unfortunately, you go back to the harvest of 2021. And I think a lot of people remember uh, the devastation that hurricane ida brought it had a huge impact on our grain elevator and reserve taking it out of commission for for quite some time it also of course when you have that type of disruption you have a huge dislocation of transportation which drives freight costs really high and makes it difficult for us to post competitive bids at our river elevators because we don't physically have the freight to even be able to move that grain Last year, we came in thinking that you know we were set up for, for really what looked to be a pretty fun year until the river really started to fall out in September. We were loading full draft barges Labor Day weekend, and, and by the middle of September, we were hitting record low levels on the river system. And, and once again, led to a fall where we were struggling to stay open. We had multiple closures, barges backed up, barges stuck on the ground. You know, trying to work our way out of it, it drives transportation costs higher and it, it made it difficult for us to compete. We also had a drought in the West in 22. And, you know, a lot of the grain in Illinois moved out. It moved West and South via railroads. And then we came to 23 and we thought, well, the, the good news this harvest is, we can't get lower river than what we just had. And and then once you know it, it, it happened to us again. And so we've, we've really had three difficult logistical years at harvest we've had expensive barge freight and you know it's, it's been difficult to get price competitive. For us to really be good and compete in the world, we've gotta have a cost of transportation that allows us to compete in order to get grain from the interior to seaboard. And, and we've struggled with that. The other thing that we've struggled with is you know the the rapid growth we've seen really in Brazil over the last several years they they continue to add acres at a quick rate and i think anybody who's looked at a long term chart of brazil can see the incredible growth that they've had i think what's maybe surprised us a little bit is just how good people in brazil have gotten at getting grain out of the country i think at some point there was some concerns you know is the infrastructure there can they even put out these volumes that they're talking about producing and what we've learned is, yes, they can. And that's led to, you know, some other challenges for us. You know, China for a long time didn't want to buy Brazilian corn. But guess what? When they're producing enough of it and it's a lot cheaper than the U.S., it's funny how politics change and, you know, soon they're buying Brazilian corn. So, Lauren, we've had our headwinds the last three years. That's absolutely for sure. We're sitting here now and and we're looking, you know, it at, at looks to be another really good crop in Brazil, maybe not as good as last year, but still quite good. And unfortunately for us, Argentina is looking to have a pretty good rebound after the drought last year. So I wish I could sit here and tell you that uh, it was going to be a lot more fun or, or easier in our business in terms of getting competitive and and really exporting a lot of grain. But I think it's, I think we're going to continue to really have to battle. And, you know, I think it's super important you know that our farm customers as, as they do you know they know their outlets no one talks just to a river elevator i can tell you that there there's a lot of other good domestic outlets that exist and i know you know farmers are really good at, at understanding at times you know one market might not compete maybe a train ship in your in your area isn't competitive but the local ethanol plant is or vice versa or the river and you know the the markets are dynamic and and eventually the markets will tell farmers where that where grain needs to flow. You know, the outlook, I wish I could tell you we've got a great outlook coming up for the spring and summer around exports. I think we're going to continue to battle a little bit. We've got some hope that uh, we can have maybe a little bit more of the normal river levels so we're not sitting here battling the, uh, the recurrent low water. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate you coming on the Elevate podcast today and giving our listeners a view of Cargill's river system and how that works. To our listeners, thank you for joining us today. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.